you like haunts? Yes. Do you like immersive theater? Yes. Do you like escape rooms? Yes. What's the safe word? My haunt life. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the finished line of Midsummer Scream 2018. Dark attractions have taken on new forms well beyond the confined walls of traditional haunted houses. Today, as audiences become more sophisticated, they demand more. More thrills. More surprises. More realism. And they want to be entertained by immersing themselves into hyper-reality. Today, we're going to meet some movers and shakers in the industry from Los Angeles to Central Florida and back as they discuss new trends in terror that take guests well outside the box and into new realms of fantasy and fright. Please welcome to the stage, owner of Just Fix It Productions and creator of The Willows and Creep LA, Justin Fix. Founder of Horror Escapes LA, Rachel Fody. Founder of Inside the Magic and producer at Pseudonym Productions, Ricky Briganti. Haunted attraction designer and consultant, Ted Daughtry. And your hosts from My Haunt Life podcast, Mike Fontaine and Russell Eaton. Ladies and gentlemen, the Immersive Horror Box presentation. Please be seated. You were going to start this. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the last panel in this room of the day. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. I <laughs> know oh, that was just a really stupid joke. If you listen to the podcast, you definitely don't need to clap for that. But thank you. Um, so, yeah, this is the last panel of the day in this room. Save the best for last. I mean, look at who's on the stage. This is incredible, and I'm not worthy, honestly. There's so much talent up here it's, that I have none of. <laughs> so, uh, so if you're here, you're probably interested in the immersive scene, which is has been repeatedly said this weekend on various panels. It's kind of booming in the Los Angeles area, and I wrote it down because I couldn't remember it all weekend. The title of this panel is "Immersive Horror: New Trends Outside the Box," and I think if you look at the people on this panel, the the combination, the the common denominator of this is. Each of these people is creating something, and what they're doing is not straightforward. It is not linear. It is not what you've seen before. And that seems to be something that the immersive community in Los Angeles is gravitating toward is what's new, what's different. And there is always, always going to be the interest in haunts. There's always going to be now the interest in escape rooms. There's always going to be the interest in immersive theater now, that it's something that more people are understanding and going to. So uh, let's just start going down the line in what are you creating? And uh, Ted, 
um, obviously has the t-shirt for Murderco on. Out of curiosity, who has been to Murderco, the escape rooms? Okay, okay so we do have some... Uh, how would you describe for yourself... <laughs> how would you describe Murderco? It is an escape room, but it is more than that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a theatrically driven escape experience. I mean, it's billed as the first... R-rated horror escape experience. So the idea is to really kind of uh, create more of a substantive type of adventure through um, more compelling storytelling and leading these folks through this crazed, violent, gore-filled universe (laughs) and try to escape out of it. So... Which, uh, one of the things that, that I think sets apart uh, Murder Co. as an escape room is you do not shy from dark material, uh, gore, uh, and it is violent, not necessarily aggressive toward the patron, I don't want to say, um, uh, even though you will find yourself in horrific situations and you will physically be reacting to those. Um, how did that mix of genres come about? Well, it was the brainchild of, of John Cook, who was a designer from uh, originally from Knott's and now is the new creative director for Queen Mary's Dark Harbor. And the idea uh, behind it, yeah, uh, was based on his experience in the theme park industry, based on my experience in the theme park industry. It was like, okay, what would we do if we didn't have those types of parameters that uh, we kind of have to deal with? Uh, on a constant basis in that world. And so uh, the idea was, okay, let's kind of open things up a lot more. And uh, John had some of these sort of basic ideas about what Murder Code should be um, in terms of pushing the envelope with respect to the the gore and and sort of the, the violence and stuff like that. But... We wanted it still to have a, a sense of pre, uh, kind of professional sort of um, elegance that we were trying to achieve, even though the content is really kind of dim and dingy. But we had a, a sense of professionalism that we wanted to bring that we were learning from the themed themed entertainment industry. That makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, and and uh, where are you located, by the way? Upland, California. Yeah, because you're not in Los Angeles. Right. Um, it, it's worth the drive, people, if you like escape rooms and and you like horror. Um, something uh, we have several creators here. I'm just going to continue down the line. Um, uh, this is not the only city where this is happening, and I'm someone who travels every now and then, and I have been to immersive, interactive experiences in other states and other cities. And uh, Ricky, you are the founder of Inside the Magic, which I have a feeling probably many people in this room are familiar with. Uh, But you've started a company called Pseudonym Productions. And you are dabbling in immersive theater, but you're doing more than that. And what are you mixing and what are you bringing to the table in the Orlando area? And uh, what's the genesis of your projects? Yeah, definitely. Uh, first, I just want to say uh, the pseudonym is actually founded by uh, Sarah Elger right there in the front row in the pink hair. Um, 
I, uh, I joined her uh, company about three years ago while still doing Inside the Magic um, because I was so intrigued by the blending of different things. It's incorporating elements of immersive theater, um, a, bit, a bit of haunted house elements, a bit of escape room sort of fun, um, but also introducing a lot of uh, art and uh, an architecture and sort of the, the gaming elements of video gaming, bringing that to life and incorporating all of that into what amounts to usually an hour, hour and a half, two hour experience that uh, brings people together to explore and engage and like immersive theater, interact with actors, but also sort of be driven on their own and have their own personal journey where they feel like they're sort of the center of the experience. So whether we're telling a story of something that is in the horror genre, which we've done a couple of times um, out of the four big productions we've done over the last three years, um, or it's, it could be just you know, mystery, thriller, intrigue, all of that. Uh, we really want people to walk away feeling like you know, they matter in the conversation, that they're not just a passive observer and that they're really taking part in this adventure and, and come away feeling even you know, feeling a bit better about themselves, perhaps, despite some horrific things they might find along the way. You look like you're about to ask something. <laughs> no, I'm not a creator. <laughs> so, um, Rachel? <laughs> Hi guys. So, uh, you're also working on something that's fairly unique in the Los Angeles area. Uh, Rachel, you have a history in escape rooms and you have a history of putting performers in escape rooms. Um, tell us about the Count's Den and because that is an immersive experience, but would you call it immersive theater? It sounds like more than that. Uh, it's definitely immersive theater, but what it is, is it's an actual location in downtown Los Angeles, um, a solid location where we have characters in that location and that you can interact with on a continuous storyline. Um, so it's vampire themed, so you would meet the Countess Cora and um, her family within that den. And it's a space where the story continues for, I'm hoping, years. Um, where the actors can actually grow and develop within their character. And um, they're dedicated. They're dedicated there for at least a couple years. And so it's, it's private membership and invite only. Um, we have a whole back-end ARG and forum that the participants can actually interact with the characters of the space. But it is a set location and space that you can go to and um, hang out. Actually, some of our inner circle members, we now provide lockers where they can store their own personal stuff. So it's really just a personalized experience within immersive theater where we really get to know the members and the participants that want to engage with us and want to play in a space that's a solid location. And then do those characters lead to specific, because you're describing a location in a lounge atmosphere, they lead to specific shows? They do. Right now, well, we're constantly creating shows. And um, for instance, on Thursday nights is the Inner Circle member night where we always have games, game nights or movie night. And you can hang out. And when you're there, you're interacting with the characters there and gaining um, further storylines and plots for future stories, which then leads to ticketed events um, for the characters or just put in in the storyline. So right now we're working on an origin series for all our main characters of vampires. And um, whether you have been a member and actually know the background of those characters or not, if you're just coming in, we'll debrief you on it. Um, it's an episode of how they turn from their mortal life into a vampire. So it's all really um, kind of 
tragic. I mean, it is death. We're talking about death here and horror. But how we're doing these shows is in a way where we're hoping to gain an emotional response to our members, to the participants going to these shows. And each character has a very different history from one another. So you can kind of pick and choose your character that you want to kind of vibe with and, and um, be more involved with or talk on the forum with. Um, yeah. And last on the panel is Justin Fix. Uh, Justin Fix, uh, I'm sorry, what's the name of your production? Justin Fix Productions. Yeah, it's really clever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, for those of you who are familiar with the haunt scene in Los Angeles, a couple of years ago, Creep LA burst onto the scene uh, doing something very unique, and that uh, partially is created from this man, and also well known as The Willows. Uh, which is a approximately two hours immersive experience, uh, immersive theater with definite horror and some haunt overtones, mm -hmm. depending on what track you have. And there are multiple tracks that can be taken during the show. So you've dabbled in a lot of different genres. Yeah, so I grew up as like a haunt lover. So naturally, like the Halloween space was something that I really wanted to get into. So in 2015, like a group of 12 of my friends got together and we produced sort of this hybrid haunted house. I always say Creep is like a 360 degree multi-sensory experience that guests are pulled through various rooms and environments um, and pulled into frightening scenes and encounters. Um, and that's kind of what it was, right? It was like taking the format of a traditional kind of pulse through experience and allowing ourselves to take our time and to breathe in those spaces that we'd normally get a jump scare from the back and push out. But what if we could allow some times for people to kind of enter these spaces and, you know, let's either give them some sort of story or ghost story or monologue or some sort of interaction or fright or participatory game like blood, playing Bloody Mary or um, playing dead, you know, those kind of things. Um, and so that's kind of how it started. And our first year was like a 30-minute experience. And in 2016, we came back and it was like an hour experience. And from that, we knew that we just loved the world so much, but we knew that until, like, Midsummer Screams, there wasn't really an audience just to, like, do Halloween events and activities across Los Angeles, uh, which we normally would. Um, so we are just, like, a group of creepy team, and uh, we wrote a show called The Willows, which was an adaptation of, like, a modern murder mystery, kind of flipped on its head. You kind of, it's like Clue meets the Adams family. Um, it's this, like, really wacky family, and you show up uh, to the family to celebrate um, their son, Jonathan, who you're actually there, and you celebrate the passing of their friend, uh, son, Jonathan, and it kind of takes you across a sprawling house and into some, you know, really dark narratives and stories with them. Um, so yeah, it's, it, we've, and for us, it's always about, and for all of us, right, we're talking about how we're trying to continue to reinvent, um, and I think this is such, like, a new format or a new wave, and I think, you know, there's really no truth to the mechanics of it. There's some things that we're piecing from, from every facets that we either love or we don't love, um, and kind of making it into these worlds that work for ourselves, but, you know, all of us on this stage operate completely different formats and throughputs and yet we're still telling these wonderful stories that people get to kind of immerse themselves in these worlds um, and I think that's the coolest thing. Whenever something new happens um, and 
this is why we're having this panel because this is all new. When you combine things, there's always a learning process for the patrons. How do you make sure the patrons understand what exactly is going to happen and what do you what will it take to get past the diehard fans that will always show up to everything to the more casual people? I'll just that really quick because mine's really quick. Um, for us, I think this world is so new that we have to apply the traditional haunted house rules out front. Like, you know, like you're going to be touched. There's going to be strobe lights and fog. Like you're going to be pushed through, you know, dark spaces or whatever. I think we have to continue. I wish there was a cooler way of doing it so you could naturally sort of immerse yourself in this world. But I don't think we're there yet. And I think, you know, much like people are fans of, like, Ricky's work when they come to our work, you know, some people just behave how they would in Ricky's show but not in my show. And you're like, but that doesn't work in this show. Um, so I think it's really um, something that we all as creators need to focus on, which I refer to as, like, the portal, which is the space where people really start to understand the world in which they know they are going to be in. So they respect the space and yet the story can be moved forward without, like, hiccups um, so I think that's it's such a huge thing yeah just to uh, <laughs> uh, to follow up on that um, yeah it's very true because we get people who come uh, especially in Orlando where this scene does not exist um, we get everyone who either thinks it's going to be something akin to a theme park attraction which we're definitely not um, and, or is this an escape room and we're definitely not that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but it's, it's, we're just not that, right? And so the behavior that comes with an escape room is not what we want out of people. We want a very different type. Um, so we take people down an initial path, a journey, to get them into that mindset. Uh, you know, we devote a good 10, 15, 20 minutes at the beginning of, of easing sort of that transition from I'm coming to do a fun thing to, oh, I'm actually part of this world and I have a purpose here and I have a role and then where does the story go from there? So it's definitely, uh, definitely a challenge to educate people for something that's completely different. And for me, uh, the escape rooms are one thing and then the immersive theater lounge is, a, is another thing. And um, for... For the escape rooms, it's just straight up con- like warnings of this is what you're getting involved in. This is what's going to happen. If you have a problem with any of this, speak now. And um, and we you know we break it all down for them with confirmation emails prior, and we just try to be as informative as possible. As for the Count's Den and this lounge, because it is a membership and a private invite lounge, and. I- you know, we kind of pride ourselves of being very personal um, with our participants. We have different types of events. So we have our nights that are really just inner circle. We know everyone. They all know the characters. We know what to expect from them. I'm actually building a back-end CRM system for all our members, so we know what their intensity levels are. We know what they're comfortable with. We know their allergies. We know um, anything, any kind of triggers that they would have or want or not want, so we can actually fully customize the shows for them, which is why I think this lounge is good in that sense because we actually have an opportunity where they keep coming back and we get to build a relationship with these participants. As for people that haven't been there and, and they're new to the space, and because immersive theater, like Justin said, it is such a new thing, people don't really know how to act or respond if a character's coming up to you and you know, acting a certain way. How can I trust that this new person coming in that's never really been in an immersive environment, that they're going to behave correctly and that my actors are safe and that they're not going to be 
put out or, or you know, heckled or, or touched, whatever it is, just inappropriately. And, and how I'm managing that is we have events that are just for, so we have ticket, larger ticketed events that the inner circle members that we have, they go to them also, but it's also invite. So we have new people in. So the actors know we're behaving in a different way with people that we do not know. And I make sure that we have a safe word throughout all our staff and all our actors that if someone's being inappropriate or, or maybe not know how to behave in this world, we let each other know with our own safe word, our inward safe word of like, hey, this guy, you know, submarine. Oh. <laughs> Keep your eyes on this one, you know, and we let a, we take care of each other as a family in the space, in a sense. Of we we make sure that all the actors and are aware, and then then it's an opportunity to actually play with that participant that doesn't really know how to act. Of like, hey, no, like you can still kind of keep in character in a sense of telling the boundaries here. Um, so that's that's what we do. <laughs> It, well, and for us, you know, uh, it started with, with certainly with the marketing, us having the word escape in there. We're certainly going to get the, the escape enthusiasts that show up. Um, but we're very clear as they're, they're checking in and, and, and explaining what this is. And so the, the immersive theater or the immersive experience folks that come and visit us get it immediately. Um, but the escape enthusiasts, we, we do need to. Sp- we spend a little bit of time with uh, sort of letting them know what this is and giving them an opportunity. Like, hey, this is a very heavy experience, and uh, kind of uh, vaguely outline what to expect. So that way, they if they have to feel like they need to tap out, they can. Um, but for the most part, it's. Uh, Surprisingly, the escape enthusiasts have really kind of embraced it and sort of kind of taken it as like a challenge to say, okay, let's try and battle through this type of unique experience. So, yeah. And Justin, you said something to Ricky that um, someone going to his show might not act the same way as in your show. And then you, Ricky, you had mentioned that um, there's nothing like this in, in Florida, really. Would you, at that point, would you, do you think people are products of their environment? So, for example, would someone from Florida come here and, you know, depending on who they, like, what they're into, not get it and have to be explained everything? Or do you think that because we're in such a rich environment right now, we all get it just because there's so much of it and there's so much more teaching and learning going on? Uh, it's definitely an interesting thing for, for it to be a little bit out of the, the bubble here. Um, I would I would say there's you know we we've done out of our four productions we've done one um, that was a little bit more geared to be traditional it's called catharsis and it was a, a a walk through you know in small groups and a scene and scene and scene and surprisingly um, you know by putting it in that sort of expected format um, people but doing unexpected things with it that created a bit of a confusing experience because people expected the traditional haunted house. But by having somebody come in and it's just completely different from the beginning and very carefully crafting those initial opening scenes to allow people to open their, their minds and, and be ready for you know, sort of the more unexpected things that were to come, um, it's, it's allowed them to be open and play more. So 
I mean, to answer your question, I think a significant portion of the people who normally are familiar with theme parks, if they were to come out here and just be shoved into the immersive horror scene, they'd just be like, whoa, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm out. Um, but there's also a lot of people who have, I'm sure, read about it, you know, online, and it's like, mm, I'm curious. Talking about, um, Mike brought up the idea of like going forward and your, your audience is going to shift, your audience is going to change. And uh, Ted, maybe you and Ricky uh, might be dealing with this a little more at the forefront um, because these guys are talking, I think, more, not, uh, God, I hate the word traditional, but uh, closer to like a normal theatrical experience. People are like, oh, this is a performance. Oh, this is, even though I'm, I'm being interacted with, it's that. You guys are talking about experiences where, um, uh, you know, Mike made a comment about e extending this in longevity and you're going to have to bring in larger audiences and you guys also, I know, have to face this, you know, and, and partially uh, the ticket prices for these events are quite often steeper than the traditional haunted house, which there's a blessing and curse to that. The blessing being you immediately weed out a certain level of, God, this, is, this sounds so judgmental. <laughs> but but you, your people, if they're willing to plunk down that amount for a higher ticket price, they're also willing to invest. So going forward, the escape room, the, you, and Ricky, you, you flat out said you want to affect people. You want to have an emotional effect on them. Like, is it through marketing? Is it through word of mouth? Like, wh where do you guys see you see this transitioning? And the reason I'm I'm going trying to ask this very befuddling question, I'm befuddled. Like in the future, it's like you guys are going. You're on the cutting edge now. It's like what's coming down for you guys? What are you looking forward to? And you've already addressed this a little bit, Rachel, of, of what's coming forward. It's like what's the future? Because it is going to have to, as Mike said, talk to more people. Well, I think you kind of did mention it. I think one important aspect would be marketing and, and really kind of uh, using that as sort of a, a launching pad on how to educate uh, potential future guests and really getting a, a larger word out there. Um, and I think the more that you know, these types of things exist and the more that experiences sort of expand and, and push the envelopes and, and, and gain more people and the more we have midsummer screams out there and all that stuff, that's a way to kind of uh, get the word out. I mean, uh, I mean, I heard about Creep when it first came out because of something I think like Rick West put out, you know? And so, I mean, it was part of this community. And so I think that's one way uh, to really kind of get out there. And then at least for some of the more mid-range, smaller types of experiences, uh, I mean, I think it's going to still kind of depend a lot on, on word of mouth, too. I, I, you mentioned the word sustainability, and th and that is tough. That is the big challenge with all this. I know Justin and I have talked about this. Um, to put on something that everybody wants, that individual, that personal experience or that customization, and have a whole host of, of actors and a giant space and all these sets and all of this, but yet you want the one person to enjoy their one experience, 
it, you know, you, you can't keep that going forever. Um, it's just, it's a, there's a misbalance there. So that's, I mean, that's literally what we are working on right now. That's uh, why I, I sold Inside the Magic recently. Um, so, so we can focus uh, full time on creating a model that allows for a sustainability and understandability um, behind this sort of new and upcoming world of, of immersive, whatever you want to call it, immersive horror, immersive theater, immersive whatever. Um, it is definitely a, a significant challenge that I don't, I'm not even sure anyone, you know, even with a ton of shows out here in L.A., have figured out how to, how to make it keep going. And, this, and you have multiple tracks in your show? You mentioned the one show that wasn't, but... Right. Um, yeah, we did... The biggest show that we did was uh, called One Shadow's Fall, and it wasn't exactly horror. It had some horror elements to it, um, but it had up to 40 people participating simultaneously for an hour and a half to two hours with 14 different uh, roles that they, that they could pick from at the beginning with a few people in each, and it was almost like 14 different stories being told of the you know, perspectives of the same overarching story. And so everyone had their own little little role and so that's you know that's still only 40 people it's like what if we needed you know 400 or 4,000 people to do it it's it's a tough scaling problem Uh, well you have um I think the biggest issue is is like we're operating like Disneyland but with human beings you know you're going through the Pirates of the Caribbean but they're not like puppets on a record block you're like having emotional connections with complete strangers or amazing actors that are like you have those WTF moments that you're like, you got to be kidding me. Like, what am I doing right now with this complete stranger and I'm having an absolute blast? And for those moments as adults where we can check out and we can have that moment of play, like, it does something. And if all y'all are in the space, you've either done something, you're interested in the space, once you do it, it's like there's a, it's a, you crave it. You know, it's like going to proscenium theater shows are boring to me and I'm like a musical theater dude but like because I'm not up on stage being like yes we're gonna kick with the cast you know like I'm not enjoying it you know like when I saw Carrie the musical like downtown I was like yes put me on the stage like let the blood get poured all over me like you know and it was like it was like it was a cool way to see theater and um you know we we've I've been trying to trick people to go see theater, but there comes a little wear and tear, right? Because, yes, I feel like in the last couple years, we as creators before had been spending a lot of money out of our own pockets to allow people to have these unbelievable um, adventures. And, you know, kind of looking back at ourselves and being like, what would, what do, what is the cost of an experience? You know, what is, what are people willing to pay? You know, if people are willing to pay this to do VR or go on expensive trips, you know, whatever it may be, what are willing people to pay here? And I think we um, are starting to not say like rule out a, a price bracket that doesn't work, but a price bracket that is practical for it to work for us. Um, because to be honest, like it's not probably most of us, you know, uh, we love dough, um, but I will probably tell you most of us that's secondary probably. And unfortunately, that's not a really good business mind. But creatively, what we all have to do over these next couple of years is continue to champion the, wor- the word uh, to, to, to grow it. Because we haven't even scratched. Like when we say we think we've gotten 5,000 people through our lines, that's like nothing what like a normal haunt does, like 12,000 people through a season. So like we're not even, you know, here we're building these like haunt worlds that like are getting a throughput of the fourth of the fraction. Uh, as for sustainability, I mean, I think, 
with the count sten specifically, I feel like it's a much different model because we are customizing and, and making it very personal. And I know for me, if I'm going to continue to spend my time um, with uh, with a show or continue to go back, I mean, I've, I love the Willows. Like, I loved it so much. And what I loved about it is that I could come back and I can go a different path. And I really enjoyed that. And I can see the characters again. And maybe they're going to act differently this time or whatever. Like... I myself can kind of choose what I want to get out of that experience. And so for sustainability, I mean, with the escape room industry, I mean, I have multiple of rooms. Once the participants do all the rooms, they're done. And that's it. And because of that, I um, why I kind of went more into immersive theater is I want to have an effect on someone's life. And with that, I think people want their life affected. I think people want an emotional connection. They want something to come back to. They want something to um, see the world around them grow or vice versa, see something in them grow because a character affected them a certain way or maybe the next day a conversation goes a different way. Whereas, so the Count's Den, you're actually able to communicate with our characters on a back-end forum, on a Slack app, where... You know, if you have something with our character Jermaine and he's acting weird one day, you follow up with him in two days and be like, dude, what's going on? Um, And he'll respond to you and say what's going on. And he's like, you know what? When you come back to the den on Thursday night at game night, I need you to bring me a bottle of absinthe. And so this actually did happen. Um, (laughs) And so the participant comes and brings a bottle of absinthe and then they have that exchange and the participant had to hide it inside of the den and then he had to find it. And so... For sustainability, because of my experience with the escape rooms and realize that it is kind of one and done once they do the rooms, unless you're switching it up or switching it. Um, when it comes to immersive theater, what I'm base, what I'm trying to do is create an experience that I would want, meaning I like the attention on me. So, <laughs> so with that being said, I think the participants interacting with these actors and and, and characters. They want the attention on them. They want to know that they're being heard and, and, and can go back to um, those characters and, and then see them again on Thursday night. Which I, So my model for sustainability is creating something as personalized and customized as possible, which is very difficult to do. There's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas of what they like, what they don't like, and you can't please everyone, you know? And a lot of... Um, uh, like specifically, I'll just go back to escape rooms. Like I can't please everyone because it is a, it's it's a it, it's structured in a way where they go through and the experience is the same for the next person to the next person to the next person. So I can't whatever you might like, it might not be the same that you might like. So that I cannot guarantee that everyone's going to have an enjoyable experience. Whereas in immersive theater, on the other side, if we want to go more of that we can kind of find out about you and see what you like, see how you respond to these actors, see how, what you enjoy about them, what you don't enjoy about them. And um, I think that's my model for sustainability, is how can I keep a continuous um, attraction from an audience that it feels so personalized that they want to keep coming back for more. And I think also something you just touched on, and it happens with the Willows because there are multiple tracks in the Willows show, and so 
if you go back a second time, you're aware that a patron is returning, and so they will get different interactions with different characters. Um, at Murder Co., you have, um, I, I don't want to be too spoiler because it's an escape room, but you do have to make certain choices that will affect who you interact with. And that is a kind of a riff on what Rachel was just talking about. And Ricky, with, I don't know with your show if you, you've quite encountered that, but um, it, it, I, I think what you were just discussing about the immersive community as patrons, that seems to be the, as Mike and I have been doing our podcast, that's quite often feedback we hear is they are looking for an individualized experience, but they also want a good show. It's like it's not just the individualization, and I, I think like everyone here is with the mixing of genres is tackling that subject um, because immersive theater in itself is like the one-on-ones and all of that. Yes, they're they're wonderful when you get them, but not every audience is going to get that. Not every patron is going to get that. So that's why I was going into the sustainability and like the, the shifting of genres. Um, yeah. uh, this is kind of like. Uh, sister-in-law cousin type of question to go along with yours to sustainability but we're we're in an evolution you know like if you like it's kind of like an i want more evolution you know there were haunts i want more so then there's extreme haunts came theater i want more there's then immersive theater came rachel you went to immersive theater it's like i want more and now we're doing this crazy like customizable thing for pretty much anyone that can get to it um you guys are forcing an evolution. With that being said, what comes next? Wow. Uh, Westworld. Well, I mean, I think I love what Rachel was saying about you know the idea of, of really kind of being able to, to interact uh, with these characters in, in these worlds. And I think uh, expanding that is a really good start because that has no limit, you know? I mean, we can do whatever. We, we could turn this boring conference room into something incredible with the right interaction with people. And so I think that is probably um, where I would go as far as looking at the heart of what all of this is. Yes, it is a business. Yes, we're looking at ways to, to sort of grow and, and expand that. But it's about making memorable experiences so people want to return and visit us and a tradition being born. And so I think one way to do that is to, to really kind of look at sort of the... the the actor side of things simply because um, otherwise we can build incredible sets but and we can have some cool monsters or whatever popping out but when we can really look deep into their eyes and make that connection and to try to create something that's going to last for a while I think that's kind of the angle I would sort of start with there's kind of a perspective shift going on with entertainment here it's you know 
with the you know we're on a stage here and this is very standard um, all the examples you just gave of sort of the traditional ways of doing it it was always audience and show and now we're involving the audience in the show but the future of it is what if the audience is the show the audience like you were saying want to feel you know it's not even necessarily attention on them but it's uh, feeling special feeling that emotional connection and it's a way of making it so that the the show itself almost takes a backstage to what the, uh, the, the audience, the participant is experiencing, that they are the center of everything. They are the one who's feeling like, oh, I'm in control. I'm, you know, in charge of this. And, uh, can, and can affect the story itself. Exactly. Um, and, and feels like it is bending around, just like real life does, but like a cooler version of real life. I mean, that's kind of what, like you said, Westworld. Um, but even taking beyond that, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's I, out of everyone here, and, you know, I'm the most important person in the room, and so are you, and so are you, you know, to yourself, and that's, that's where this is going, I think. Um, and I, I just will say, there's, um, you know, like, Renaissance fairs, like, Renaissance fairs to me are, like, the best type of immersive theater, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, cool, like, put me on this, like, and let, let me, like, roll for, like, 11 acres, and just, like, stroll, and just, like, check it out. And come across people and, you know, share, share beer with people and learn how to sew. And, like, that's, to me, that's immersive theater. And there is a company, I'll tell you, there's a company in Utah um, called Evermore. Um, and it's going to be huge. It will be, it will be where, when this gets commercialized and when people realize that, the theme parks realize that you don't need to invest millions and billions in rides. You need to invest that in people and then those people can create the experiences for people in the world. And there, you know, there is a place called Evermore in Utah that's going to open up this September. And you are going to be able to like, be loaded into this world and feel transported. Um, and be able to enjoy the seasons and inside that and get to enjoy like Shakespearean theater or get to enjoy you know these like bars and taverns and be able to free roam. And it's like one big immersive theatrical production. And that is like what we are doing right but like instead of feeling like we need to pulse people through a space and then out they are what like a a mouse is doing they're dropping them in and then have them spend the day um, in this sort of environmental space what Uh, uh, do you want to follow up with anything or do you want to open it up oh um if we're opening up for questions I have a question sure go for it um (laughs) (laughs) um this is a very important question. Um, are you guys Team Snickers or Team Kit Kat? Team Snickers or Team Kit Kat? This is how we judge the quality of oh, your soul. Oh, man. It depends on my mood. Um, most recently, Snickers. Okay. Kit Kat, definitely. Okay. Really depends on my mood and like what I'm pairing it with, like milk. Um, <laughs> Uh, right now I'm feeling Team Snickers. I like the, um, uh, Halloween candy Snickers, but I like the king size bar of the Kit Kat. Okay. (laughs) There's room in this world for everything. Welcome to the immersive experience. (laughs) Look for clues on Twitter later. (laughs) Uh, okay. Uh, Obviously, we have a lot of immersive fans. We have a lot of fans of these creators in the room. Uh, If you have a question, please raise your hand. And please speak loudly so everyone can hear it. And if anyone doesn't hear the question and wants us to repeat it, just yell, repeat the question. So anyone? Questions? Yes. 
Well, for me, I'm, I, my roots are, I'm just a Halloween dude. So I love like fantasy werewolves and monsters, like that kind of thing. Um, for a lot of the more recent things I've worked on are kind of deal with more like real life types of horrific monsters. But <laughs> ideally, if, if I can mess with vampires and werewolves and things like that, that's my favorite. We've, uh, we've made a pattern of going through um, sort of historical texts that, texts that were, uh, were interesting in some way and then pulling from that and sort of being inspired by it. So we, we've used like Plato's Republic. Um, we've used Greek mythology. We've used, uh, we found this really obscure Freud sort of contemporary named Frederick Van Eden who wrote A Study of Dreams, this bizarre, you know, in-depth analysis of what dreams could be. And we did an entire Halloween experience centered around entering a dream world. So there's a lot of really great things if you just sort of hunt around into, into the history of anything. <laughs> uh, for me, I love magic, anything magical, or um, Constant is vampire, but to go deeper than that, um, for ideas of shows or how to interact with people, I mean, the idea of, like, for instance, suggestibility and how people interact because something is suggested. I, I, I almost want to put that in a show to kind of see how people react to it or even just emotional tragedy different types of tragedy that we all deal with on a personal level or have a back background or history whether it be um, domestic stuff or sexual stuff or whatever it is that as as a collective in this world have um, I want to that inspires me it inspires me to try to bring that out of people and kind of overcome and actually touch people in a good way so they leave happy. So on top of the magic and the vampires and all of that, in our characters, they do all have a background history that hopefully some, someone in the audience can, can relate to and want to explore that with. Um, and I just like really think we always are always focused on on you know it sounds so cheesy but like stories that reach out and grab you um, and you know to me it's just to transport people and at the end of the day after you allow people to journey and travel and take in and soak in and uh, reflect naturally what that does is it allows people to have conversations and allows people to engage and at the end of the day um, with the willows like as a primary example like. We, we as a team sat around a table and said, wouldn't it be crazy to just get a bunch of L.A. people together, sit them around a table and eat soup and see how they handle it? <laughs> and, you know, sure enough, you had a bunch of strangers, like, sitting around and, like, dealing with this really bizarre family and really, like, learning some, like, family lessons and, like, also, like, finding times to, like, look people in the eye and, like, find jokes and similarities between each other. And I think, to me, like, we have always been trying to just build a, a compound of, like, community and people who, um, you know, just to, like, you know, stop sliding left and right and, like, look up and just, like, take this in some now. And I know everyone's like, put the screen down. But, like, put the screen down because when you do it and you allow yourself just to take in strangers, um, it's... It can allow for some wonderful, you know, spark of interest. Uh, soup and a lovely cheese plate, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, something that uh, each of you touched on in a slightly different manner. Uh, you know, I, I think part of the reason that there's so much interest in this type of work right now 
is the emotional impact that it can have. And if you feel awkward, if you feel scared, if you are challenged, if you do make an emotional connection, which is what all of these different experiences seem to be, like that's what's drawing people to them. It's like, and, and I'll be the first to admit it, I've had a transformative experience inside an immersive show, you know, where I literally just let go and somebody challenged me of like, examine this. And I think those moments, and I, I think probably as creators, each of you have, have seen something like that. It's like, I think that's what draws these people here. I think that's what draws the community. I, and LA is a big city, and it's, it, there is a rabid community right now who, who's absorbing all of this work. But I think it comes down to the emotional impact. And even if it's, for lack of a better word, shallow, even if it's minor, it's still there. It doesn't have to be transformative if it's just a connection. If it's just literally comforting someone over a bowl of soup. You know, and it's like, and it's like yeah, even it's scaring someone through a sheet of glass. <laughs> or challenging someone to think about a game and how they can affect the outcome of, the, of what you find in the scene. So, um, sorry. Eh. Just does digressing for a moment. <laughs> yeah, it does answer your question. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah, are there any uh, emerging technologies you guys are uh, excited about entering the space that you may incorporate into your respective and experiences? Uh, the, the question, in case anybody is, are there emerging technologies that are exciting these guys that they might be able to incorporate into this type of creation and experiences? Uh, we're, we're definitely uh, a tech-focused um, moving forward, and, and personally, um, the, the potential of augmented reality, I think, is what is most interesting to, to me as a tech person. I'm not the biggest fan of virtual reality, to be honest, because it does block you from the rest of the world. It can be the most amazing VR experience ever, but you're never in the real world. Um, and I'm, that's what we do. We're all about something that feels grounded and real. And I think as far as tech goes, um, AR has tremendous potential to add another layer of fantasy that you can't produce in the real world. You know, do some magical elements that are, you know, sure there's smoke and mirrors, but um, in another few years, once it gets, you know, if I had contact lenses that did AR or something like that, that would and be incredible. Me, uh, for for the, the sake of this panel and the, and the community, it's like define what you, how you are interpreting augmented reality. Please. Uh, sure. Um, it, it would be, to me, it would be if my chair was empty and y'all had some sort of tech something, you know, embedded in your head or something. Um, and you could, you could see me sitting here even though I'm not really here. So it's, yeah, it's a layer of, of fiction, a layer of, of fakeness on top of reality that feels real mm -hmm. without blurring the rest of the world. Okay. Yeah. Yes? <laughs> uh, a general question for all of you. Um, what's next? Specifically, are you opening up more rooms? Are you going to do anything in California? Are you opening up more rooms uh, or having more shows with Count's Den? Is the Willows coming back? I mean, Willows and Creep LA, are they coming back? Uh, with respect to Murderco, uh, we're going to be expanding it in terms of, of uh, our actors and the characters that are inside of the experience uh, through time. And um, with that, that um, the experience will be altered as well. So um, it won't be the same thing that people have already gone through. Um, and 
eventually, yes, there'll be more rooms down the line. Um, California, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we're not necessarily set in Orlando specifically forever, but um, what's, what is in store for us, uh, Synonym Productions, is, you know, we like to say we, we question reality. Um, and so that sort of is a, a broad statement on purpose because we want to take whatever reality you know, whether it's coming to an experience, whether it's sitting at home on your computer, whether it's being on your phone, whether it's being here in this room right now, and we want to add another layer of interestingness to that, um, of mystery, of intrigue, and so we're currently, um, just very recently, we've really sort of put it, you know, put the work down, and we're working full time on developing all the variations of what could, that could mean moving forward. Not just a series of pop up productions, a, a more complete company to, to move that forward. Uh, what's next? Um, I'm opening up another escape room next week. Um, for the escape room stuff. And then as for the Counts Den, we kind of, we're building out our event calendar. It's kind of a beast of a calendar. Uh, Every week we always have game nights and member nights for the inner circle on Thursday nights. Um, With that, we're doing canvas painting nights where you can go and you can paint a vampire. Um, (laughs) We are going to have craft nights if you want to come and and do crafts. Uh, Taxidermy nights. Uh, Movie nights. Uh, We're going to have every something going on every night of the week there. It's just, it's still new. I mean, we've only been open for two months and in that time we've already, um, we created a vampire origin series for all our main characters. So you get the back end story of an immersive, a ticketed immersive experience of what happened in their mortal life that turned them into a vampire. So we're currently writing a show right now for each one of our characters. We just, released one that's one and done and they uh for Jermaine and then after that one if you bought a ticket to that event you get a special solo event like a sequel to get more in depth of that character where you have a one-on-one experience with them and that will be the same for um all our characters so right now we're writing an episode for Elizabeth the very sexy vampire and um in her origin story in in the 1800s and for each one of our characters so every month I'm I'm hoping Throughout 2018, every month we're having one of those larger immersive shows and then sequels every two weeks after that and then just have a full-on calendar of events every week. Yeah, um, Yeah. so we were here um, today for those of you who saw us walking around with things on our heads. Um, so you were speaking to, like, or he left, good. Well, he was speaking to a question about... <laughs> Technology, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, it's what's really cool is too in this this format and this type of uh, storyboarding and, and and gamifying story to stories. Uh, we kind of made Willows and adapted Willows into a VR experience. So much like what you know the Willows was a two R experience. Now you can actually put on a headset through like Oculus Go and download it, and it's kind of like choose your own adventure. So it's actually interactive. So you are not just a fly on the wall. You actually get to pick and choose. Like, do you want to go upstairs with Deirdre or? Do you want to go get drunk with Claudia in the basement, you know? And so you're like, oh, so you get to, it's kind of gamifying. You get to kind of see the world and get to see all these different stories. So I think that's really cool. Um, and because we're not bringing back the Willows this fall, we'd, we'd, we'd love to. Um, but we are bringing back Creep. So, um, yeah, so it's, um, it, you know, you guys, it's the scariest thing in Los Angeles is trying to find a space. So, like, <laughs> hopefully everything's moving well. But, like, we got a space as of Tuesday and we casted this thing as of yesterday. So, like, we're happening, but, like, you know. Congratulations. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. 
Show the flyer. Oh, so this is for the wheel. So if you want one, if you want to keep up when we release tickets for um, Creep, um, come up here and you can just grab a stack of these and that's where you'll see everything gets released and posted and that kind of stuff. And we'll be in downtown LA this year It's for some of you. Uh, any more questions from people? Anyone? There's a bright light right there, so I can't quite see. Yes. They say like art just like rips, like imitates art, or yeah, like we're influenced, like we're like a sponge. I think we're influenced every day by really great, you know, great classic Halloween movies and great comic books and you know, um, podcasts. Yeah, we do really kind of pull from every, um, every kind of yeah. I just like playing pretend. Um, (laughs) I enjoy that. I enjoy. Um, I think it's also easier, I know I keep like bouncing on the emotional stuff, but I think it's easier to kind of relate with people in a pretend world. So I think that's always like kind of or, like watching TV or movies and seeing a character really come raw with their emotions. And because it's on TV or in a movie, it's like I almost have this space where it's not real life, but I can get into that character and fall in love with that character. So I, I, definitely I've been affected by the media surrounding me and, and, and being artistic, I'm trying to create almost something very similar. Uh, the, the, again, sort of a question earlier about the you know the historical texts that I said. It, it's there's such a rich history of art that it's easy to be swayed for like current things you know that are on TV or in the box office or whatever. Um, but we've drawn from you know we go back to like Fritz Lang's Metropolis for inspiration. Uh, we, you know like uh, Terry Gilliam's Brazil, which is an amazing movie. Um, you know pulling just elements of that and m- mashing them together to create your own thing. Yeah, I love working on uh, attractions that are based off of a lot of researching a lot of history. Love that kind of thing. Um, but uh, a murder co is certainly um, a, a response. It's a it's a current type of experience that was inspired by media, inspired by really bad, horrific murder stories and serial killers. So, I mean, that was kind of the the literal guts, I guess, of of <laughs> sorry, for uh for 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 our experience. I find it interesting that if you've been paying attention, um I think at least 3 of you have used the word play. And I think that's partially the the immersive community. I think immersive experiences. I think that's what it is. is it is an invitation to the audience that has been expected to just absorb. You know, you're talking about the standard proscenium show. It's like that's what for years you were expected to do was just absorb what I'm putting at you. It's like, and it's an invitation to play, and that's and that's what escape rooms are. And I think that's why there's been such a incredible success across the country in many many cities of escape rooms it's just it's like you know it's it's the equivalent of a game night which is play but it's like no seriously come play in a really cool environment so I, I, I think that's key and it has come up multiple times in multiple answers now 
Well, I was just going to touch on it. When it, talking about sustainability, because of people wanting to play, like Justin was touching on, of like swiping left or swiping right, like, and not removing the screen, I think we're, our generation is, is, everything is on the telephone or on TV, and we don't have as much as an opportunity to be social or, or other than just typing messages to people or text messaging. We don't get on the phone and actually talk to people really anymore. Even that's almost gone, never mind sitting one-on-one -on -one and having, um, having an emotional response with each other. So um, touching on playing, people, people just want to connect. We want to connect, especially now in this generation where everything is occupying our mind and our time, where we can't connect in a real way. Everything, it's almost, I know, I don't trust everything I see on the internet or how, you know what I mean? There, the trust is almost going away. And ultimately, I think as human beings, we want, we want a real emotional response. We, we want to connect. We want to trust what's in front of us. And, I, and um, that's what I'm hoping for sustainability and playing in our environments, that people gain that. That's the most important word to us is play. Um, yeah, it, you go out and it's wonderful that escape rooms are a thing now because that is another way you can play. But without that, it's like uh, we're going to go to a bar, we're going to go to a restaurant, we're going to go sit and stare at a screen somewhere, you know. And and we want to be able to do something more than that. You know, kids get so much out of play, and it, it grows the mind, and it allows you to interact with people and build those connections, and then as we move into adults, we end up sitting at a desk job or something, and you don't get that opportunity, and so for us, it's like we've done, you know, with When Shadows Fall, by the end of the experience, we had 40 people all on their own sort of quote-unquote missions in their head, like literally, r literally running around a space of 15,000 square feet, because they're so into it. They're so in the story, in their mind. It's not a game anymore. It's they're just living it. And and afterwards they're just like, whoa, wait, what what just happened? You sort of snap out of it and you're like, wait, I want to keep I want to keep doing it. I want to live that life. I don't want to go back to my desk job and just sit there. And it's it's you know it is. It's an opportunity to just have fun. And that's something that we are, yeah, when you're sitting staring at a screen, it's it's mindless, but it's not fun. Um, also, it's just something that I get asked a lot uh, because of the podcast, because you know we've talked about escape rooms on that venue. Uh, I, it's interesting that you talked about that, because I, this, this is adult material that we're talking about here uh, from you guys. Um, yeah, don't take the kids to Murder Co., really. <laughs> um, I get asked all the time, what can I take my kids to? to get them away from a screen. It's like, I, I, I work for Disney, and um, a lot of the people that I, the coworkers that I work with actually come to me and it's just like, I, I want something interactive, and my kids have heard about escape rooms, my kids have heard about that. So I love the fact that I'm hearing, at least, of parents wanting to separate the kids from the screen and wanting to find these, these types of experiences that children can partake of. And if, and if you live in the Los Angeles area, there are escape rooms that do children's escape rooms. So, and so look for them, find them. Because I think it is a very valid comment that it's like, get them while they're young. <laughs> like, get them away from the phones. Uh, no one is telling us to stop. I don't know if that's a thing. <laughs> so anyone, more questions? Oh, she is, wait, party pooper. Uh, wait, somebody had a question, real quick. Uh, sorry, just a quick question. Um, as like, directors and creators of the immersive theater, uh, creating like, a whole, like, uh, a realistic world as you can possibly, uh, as regards of your actors that you hire, how do you make sure that the roles that they're playing when they're covering like, kind of like dark and sensitive topics doesn't really affect them? What do you look for like an actor, basically, is what I'm making sure to make sure that it's not going to 
when it, especially when it's coming so much alike and you're having like a weekly things as the countdown and stuff like that, how do you make sure it's not going to be like affecting them off the stage, I guess you would say? Well, no. For me, for me uh, okay. Well, for us, uh, the Countdown, the actors actually create their own character. Uh, it is definitely a collaborative, um, um, a collaborative project in the Countdown. We all come together, kind of like a family, and they decide, okay, what are you comfortable with? What do you want to explore? You're kind of committing to this for two years. What type of personality w- within you, as an artist, wants to explore, and what is that? And I think that's the beauty of our actors is that they're all doing it because they're exploring and, and growing within that character because they're picking and choosing. As for hiring an actor for a specific role um, that maybe they're not fully comfortable with, then that's just being said straight up at up like. Yeah, this is what it entails. How do you feel about that? And if they're smiling, I'm like, right on. If they're not, and they're like, eh, then I'm like, it's not for you. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. Actually, yeah, because like, uh, you guys, there's performers in the escape room, and I know that you deal with performers that uh, intimately deal with audience members. Yeah, we, um, the one that comes to mind immediately that we cast very specifically um, in the, the Halloween experience we did last year, A Study of Dreams, we had, uh, after a long path, um, we had a scene that was very intimate. It was, it was actually in a shower, and we encouraged, uh, we didn't even encourage, people on their own had the ability to step into the shower with an actor and partake in a scene, and that meant removing clothing and all that sort of thing, and we knew that that, I mean, that's a huge, very careful thing we had to orchestrate. Um, and so the actress that we cast for that was a former dominatrix. We knew she could easily understand boundaries and consent and could handle situations like that with, with ease and with grace and know how to you know, you know, work around the very nuanced roles of that. So sometimes it's, it's just finding that right specific person who can handle it. And definitely I would never force someone into, someone, into a role like that. You know, someone just actor A, you know, jump in the shower with people. No, that's, that's a little absurd. Um, so it depends on the, on the complexity of the role. We've also seen in after two hours of being a, a character, right, you get really, really into it, especially when stakes are heightened in an experience and there's like a, a cool down period that's needed afterwards. You need a period to, it's almost like transition out of that character. You can't just like shove people out the door and expect them to go back to the real world. And for us, with um, more of a traditional theme park background, um, you know, it's drilled into our heads regarding safety and all that stuff. So that's what we were really kind of looking for um, from from our, our actors. And there was a little bit of a learning curve on getting them to understand uh, what the boundaries were that we were sort of trying to set set down but I mean I think a lot of what like attractions like what Justin's done and stuff I mean that kind of you guys really kind of at least in this region really kind of set the foundation on how things can be done with actors and so it was kind of being able to pull things that we've saw from other experiences and match that with uh, some of the stuff that we had in our background to um, get what we what we really wanted um, so that the, the, the guest was getting a, a good experience and the actors felt nice and comfortable as well. Uh, and just, I think it's just really important to have like, uh, on break, they're called breakdowns. So like really looking at a character and be like, what 
what what's the emotional run of this character? You know, what's what's the physical entail? Is there are you going to have to be in lingerie or shirtless? So you can really kind of just spell it out at the beginning, and then you can find those people who like submit f- or up for those kind of challenges. And then I think as a director, you always have to be open to pull things back. You know, you always have to be like, wouldn't it be crazy? And then you're like, great, I found this awesome girl, but maybe you know she can't be topless. You know, and so like, and and that's crazy for I mean, said that, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cool. I, I think we're being told that that is it. So uh, thank you all for coming to this panel and being part of this conversation. So go out and play, all of you. <laughs> <laughs>